This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. He loops out the left field, going to be a tough play. Gino on the run, makes the play. Wow. Flies into the stands. Oh, what a play by Derek Jeter. There it goes. Deep to left, really deep. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, what a shot by Aaron Judge. home run to the back end of the grandstand in left field. The Sanchino. Oh, that Gary is scary. Ball game over. Yankees win. Yankees win. I mean, at some point, you do think it has to get better, right? But then you look at the fucking schedule, and here we are. There are three games left in the regular season, and the New York Yankees are a couple games over 500. 32 and 25 at the moment. Seven games above 500 with a very, very soft schedule, you know? Um, played the NL East a bunch of times. You know, Phillies are no good. The Nationals have underachieved. The Mets are a joke. Played the worst team in baseball in Boston a bunch of times. Played the Baltimore Orioles, who have improved but are still no good, a bunch of times. I mean, the only competition the Yankees have faced are the Tampa Bay Rays, who I think are legit, so I'll give them that for losing to them, <laughs> for getting bitched around by them. And the, you know, improving but still pretty mediocre Toronto Blue Jays who we just lost three out of four of now. It's fucking incredible. It is incredible. I hate to curse, but I do it because it just comes naturally with this fucking team. Here we go. Oh boy. What's going on, everybody? Your host, Rob Carbone, coming at you um, with another episode of BD4. Another episode of the podcast tonight of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, Yeah. I don't know anymore, man. I don't know. I don't know. I sit here. I watch these games. I bitch and moan about it on social media. But you know what? What I say is the damn truth. And I'm sorry, but I say it all the time. And I'm correct all the time. Nobody wants to say it. So I'll be the one to say it. And I say it every year. This team's not winning a World Series. Um and we're going to get into all of that tonight, guys. We will get into all of that. Um, I hope everybody's doing well, though. Yes, yes. Um, it is October soon. One, you know, a little more than a week. Um, actually, yeah, about a week until we get to October. I love the fucking Halloween season, you know. Postseason baseball. Although, you know, <laughs> Yankees are... <laughs> But no, just just the October, you know, Halloween season 
is my kind of year. From here on out until the end of the year is my favorite. You know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Oh, man. You know, I call it, oh, somebody told me, I think I saw like a meme, Hollow Thanks Miss, people call it. I fucking, I love it. I love it. You know, college football is coming back. Um, obviously, the NFL is on, but you got postseason baseball, and then you got the Halloween movies on TV. By the way, um, undoubtedly, without a doubt, Halloween, you know, John Carpenter's Halloween franchise is by far the best horror series, excuse me, of all time. So if you can't get behind me on that, we're going to have issues. But that's my favorite time of year, and we're, we're coming up on it. Michael Myers, knifing people. <laughs> oh, man, I love this time of year. Friday the 13th is always good. It's always fucking on during the Halloween season, which technically is just a horror movie. It's not really a Halloween movie, but it's always on during this time of year anyway. Jason's, you know, awesome. Um, I, I just love this time of year, man. It's my time. I don't know. It's my time. And then you still have, you know, a bonus this year because of COVID, but the NBA playoffs now going on, you know, adding in a little fun to the mix um, of the other sports right now. Playoffs have been good. I think the Lakers and Nuggets, unless they finished up, they were they were playing earlier. Uh, I don't know if they finished tonight. As I'm recording this, it is a uh, Thursday night. Thursday night, September 24th, I think. And the Yankees just lost <laughs> again. <laughs> but no, the NBA playoffs have been good. Um, you know, I've been obviously, um, I've been... Uh, placing a bunch of wagers on these games with DraftKings. Um, now, DraftKings doesn't pay me to say that. This is not a promotion, but um, it'd be great if they could. But um, I placed my first parlay on um, on Wednesday, and it was fucking, it was Miami to win, and I had 210.5 combined points. And I got it, and I won it. Pretty big, too. It was a pretty big uh, earning for, for, for me, for a broke college student. Um, yeah, it was a good game, you know, Miami to win and for there to be at least 211 points in Miami had the lead for the majority of the game. Uh, the Celtics kind of made it interesting in the third period where Jason Tatum went off. Um, but they had the lead. I was pretty sure they were going to win. What was very scary was I didn't, I thought they were going to come short of the 211 points, but Again, Tatum poured in 16 in the third period. That helped. Tyler Hero, who had 35 points total, went off in that fourth quarter. That helped me a lot. You know, there was a lot of scoring in that second half. Thankfully, after a dry spell of offense and a lot of defense in the first half, um, there was enough offense in the second half for me to just hit that mark. Um, but usually, I will love defensive games unless I've got money on it. I, and you know, if I have money going on the over, I'm going to need them to score. And they finally did. And so that was pretty fun. It feels good to win a parlay. Um, the Lakers and Nuggets have been fucking fun. Actually, I want to check really quick. May as well check right now to see who is, um, you know, who's winning that game or series. Let's see. Let's see if we can find Lakers. Okay, so it's halftime, and okay, fifty-seven to fifty-three. 
guess two minutes before halftime. So Lakers, yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers have this one pretty much wrapped up. You know, um, it doesn't seem like they uh, are phased by the Denver Nuggets. You know, Jamal Murray, fun story. Nikolai Jokic, is that how you pronounce his name? Fun story. Cool players to watch. But I don't take the Nuggets seriously at all, especially against the team like the Los Angeles Lakers when you have LeBron and AD in the front court. Um, and the Lakers may not be the deepest team in the, in the best shooting team, but they have the size, they have the experience, and just I don't see it in the Nuggets. <laughs> so I think it's going to be Lakers heat, which would be really, really cool. You know, LeBron James and his team that he cowardly ran to this past offseason versus LeBron James's first team that he cowardly ran to. <laughs> so that's going to be cool. Um, if it happens, if it happens, Lakers Celtics would have been cool. I was kind of hoping for that. You know, the two winningest franchises playing each other, but the Celtics keep underachieving, man. They have all this talent year after year, but they keep leaving early in the postseason. And my buddy Leo, who was on episode 158, this is episode 159, but Leo, who was on 158, brought up a good point. He's, he said if the Celtics keep going home early and they do so again this year, Brad Stevens may have to be looked at um, when talking about firing coaches. It may have to be his turn. You know, all these coaches are getting fired around the league. may have to be Stevens' turn. He's gotten all this praise, but, you know, now you look at it, take a step back at the big picture here. What's his, what is it, his third or fourth year? of coach of the Celtics, he's not gotten it done. And he's got all the talent in the world. You look at this roster, Tatum, Hayward, Brown. <laughs> Fucking, uh, you had Rozier over the past couple years. This year you have Kemba Walker added to the mix. Can't get it done. I don't know. Just something to think about. Um, school started for me, getting out of the house. Now work has also begun for me. So I'm finally staying busy. I'm finally out of the house consistently. You know, that stay-at-home shit didn't last long, thankfully. Well, it lasted two two months, I'd say. But finally got my job back and my school has begun classes on campus so I can leave the house. Oh, sorry. You can't keep me inside for long. I, I can't I can't live in fear like that for, for – I'm not even going to get into this, you know, discussion, but <laughs> – Yes, I'm finally glad to get out of the house. Very glad. All right, well, let's head to break, guys. Let's head to break, and um, I guess when we get back, we'll discuss the New York Yankees. Yay. All right. <laughs> All right, be right back. Be right back. Plug, plug. Hey, guys, really quick, I just want to remind you that if you go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com, you can find me on social media. You can find the links to my podcast and my blog. So that's all you got to do. Just go to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com and there will be a page that displays all of my information. All right, guys. Thank you. Let's get back to the show. So Michael King, not Garrett Cole, took the mound for game one um, and Cole pitched game two. Um, Yankees lost that game five runs to 11. Um, 
you know, Michael King pitch and, and like he usually does, he'll, he'll flash some kind of brilliance for a few innings, show some kind of solid pitching, but then he implodes and that's what he did again. Um, his final line, two and two thirds innings, five hits, five runs, a walk, six strikeouts. Defense, the Yankees defense did make two errors, but King didn't pitch well again. He, he really just didn't have it, um, you know. And um, offensively, the Yankees, you know, five runs, but it was kind of uh, one of those garbage time uh, scoring binges where, where, you know, outside of a Gio Urshela RBI single in the second and a Gio Urshela RBI 6-3 ground out in the seventh, um, the Yankees just didn't do much. It was just a, a meaningless garbage time fake comeback, I guess you can even call it, if you even want to call it a fake comeback, in the ninth inning where they loaded the bases for Mike Talkman, um, who had a bases-clearing three-run double. But that was it. That made it 11-5. to <laughs> So, you know, the Yankee pitching just couldn't get it done. King was pretty bad. Lasagna was bad. Nelson, all of them got pounded. Uh, it just fucking... It was ugly, and that was pretty much all she wrote for game one. Um, you know, so that was fucking, I don't know, man. It's its not fun watching this team just struggle. And um, against Toronto, Toronto always seems to have their number now. They're becoming the Rays, and the Rays have become a step above what they were. See, these highlights aren't even fucking meaning, uh, you know, worthy of watching because it's just all Toronto here. So... Let's just skip ahead to game two. Um, you know, game two, again, here, here is uh, Garrett Cole um, making his final start um, of the regular season for the Yankees. Um, and he was, again, dominant. I think three starts in a row now, maybe four. I think three. Uh, where he went seven innings. Let up just five hits. One run off a solo bomb by um, Biggio. Um, but didn't walk a batter and had seven strikeouts. Defense didn't make an error for him. Um, and the offense, he actually backed them up. The Yankees won this game 12 to 1. So good pitching, good hitting. Um, 12 runs for the offense on 15 hits, not a single home run, which is good to see. It was good to see, at least at the time, the Yankees uh, being able to win a game without having to go deep. Um, two walks, 10 strikeouts, and 8 for 11 with runners in scoring position. Again, because they weren't relying on the long ball and they were stringing together hits. Um, Top of the first off of Tanner Roark for Toronto. The Yankees scored. Um, Hicks had an RBI triple. And then Hicks ended up scoring on a wild pitch from Roark. Making it 2 nothing after 1. Um, in the fourth inning, Gio. Gio. I'm sorry about that. My, my, my tablet froze for a good five minutes, so I had to pause the video. But um, where were we? Um, was it Gio in the fourth? Yeah, it was Gio Urshela in the fourth inning with an RBI single to make it three zip Yankees. Um, you know, again, the only blemish um, the Blue Jays could do was a Biggio solo shot off of Cole to make it three to one in the fourth. But in the top of the fifth, the Yankees came and they did their job again um, offensively. And this time it was Aaron Judge with an RBI single. Um, and Hicks, who had a three-hit night um, and a three RB or two-hit night with three RBIs, um, you know he comes through. Hicks gets the um, a two-run single to follow up Judge's single. This is off of Hatch, 
uh, a pitching change, and Hatch comes into the game. Hicks gets a two-run single off him, and Talkman gets a uh, a one-run single off Hatch, and this makes it seven to one. Uh, eighth inning off of Anderson, who was the the infamous pitcher to let up five home runs in the inning a few uh, about a week ago. Anderson gives up an RBI single to Gardy uh, in the eighth, and Higgy has a two-run double off of him in the eighth. This makes it ten to one um, Yankees. <laughs> so yeah, that that was uh that was it. And then the, I, I think three more off of font in the, in the ninth uh, Torres an RBI single, and then geo another um, RBI infield single. But that was the, uh, that was the score there 12 to one. That was pretty much it. And it was good for, for a night at least to see the Yankee offense um, hitting the way they should be hitting, you know, not totally relying on the long ball. Uh, and that was game three. That was game three for you. Um, Game, or I'm sorry, that was game two. That was game two for you. Game three, uh, might as well just get into it right now, was last night. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka pitch. Um, and when I say last night, again, as I'm recording, it's Thursday. I'm talking about Wednesday. Masahiro Tanaka pitched. Um, pitching on Wednesday, giving up four, um, no, five runs. Giving up five runs through four innings, uh, eight hits. Three of those runs were earned. And walked three batters, struck out five. So Tanaka pitched pretty shitty, okay? Uh, but the defense was the story of that game, how sloppy the Yankees were. Uh, four errors in the infield on Wednesday. Four errors from the infield. Gary Sanchez had a pair. Torres committed an error. Luke Voigt committed an error. Um, and their offense wasn't much better. So no pitching, no defense, no offense. You're going to get a blowout like you do, 14-1. Um one run from the offense, 14 hits, five walks, nine Ks, and one for seven in scoring position uh, versus Robbie Ray. Yankees got their only unearned run of the game uh, through his four innings with a Luke Voigt <laughs> third to home on a pass ball from Jansen. That was about it. That made it two to one in the second. But from there, it was all Toronto. You know, again, Tanaka sucked. Sessa sucked. Tyler Lyons, who was on the lineup card in this one, he sucked, <laughs> and, and and Eric Kratz had to pitch for the second time in, in four fucking days, and he obviously gave up another home run. Um, Jesus fucking Christ! I mean, I mean, it was just a joke, you know. When you got Eric Kratz, just, just I'll get to him later and in that whole thing. But <laughs> as you see here on the screen, if you're watching the podcast, just a fucking total abomination uh, from the Yankees. Game four. All right. Game four was tonight. Jordan Montgomery takes the bump. Oops, we're on the wrong screen. Um, I don't have highlights for game four. Um, Jordan Montgomery takes the bump and, you know, he's solid for a bit. Goes five and a third innings. You know, pitches one out into the six before Aaron Boone um, gives him the hook. Six hits, three runs, uh, thanks to the relief pitching in this one. Um, No walks and eight strikeouts. Defense didn't make four errors this time. They only made zero. Um, but the offense, again, could not come through. Um, one run on seven hits, uh, five walks, and seven strikeouts with a one-for-seven runners in scoring position clip. This was against Ryu, where the Yankees just could not figure him out this time around, getting no runs across against him through his seven innings of baseball. Um, and the bottom of the second had already began. The shitstorm began where Vlad Jr., who just kills the Yankees. Um, really, everybody in that lineup kills the fucking Yankees. 
Uh, Junior goes deep off of Montgomery for a solo bomb in the second. Uh, to make it 2-0, though, after the third inning, it's Bichette with an RBI double, uh, but two-strike, two-out RBI double off of Monty. Um, in the sixth inning, the Yankees have an opportunity where they get first and second on base with nobody out, but of course, as they usually do, do not come through at all, and they strand them. Bottom of the six comes, and Montgomery gets a strikeout to Hernandez, then lets up a single to Gritchick, and that's when Boone pulls him for the biggest choke artist you could have in Adam Olivino. And he does what he does best. Um, a single to Vlad Jr., a strikeout to Guriel, but then a two-run double to fucking uh, Alexandro, Alexandro or Alejandro Kirk um, throwing his slider, which got banged around tonight. That made it 4 nothing Toronto. Um, and then here, you know, top of the seventh, we've got Judge pinch hits for Frazier, um, but he flies out. Top of the eighth, Hicks and Stanton walk off of Bass. Torres pushes them to second and third, so with the fielder's choice. So second and third, one out. What do the Yankees do? Uh, Gio comes through with a two-out RBS single through the right side of the infield. That's fun. And then Clint walks, so you got some runners on now again. Um, an opportunity with the bases loaded. Gary Sanchez, pinch hitting for Higashioka at the plate. He goes deep to the warning track, but flies out. And that was it. You know, the bottom of the eight, uh, Chapman pitches a clean inning, inning to keep the Yankees in it. He fucking learned a splitter, it looked like. But the Yankees couldn't do nothing in the ninth. And that was fucking your series, folks. That was it. That was all I fucking had written down. Because it's just fucking... It's the same shit, man. It's the same shit whenever the Yankees do lose. You know, it's um, erratic offense. That, that just finds these cold streaks and it's pitching that finds a way to screw it up or you know, poor fundamentals in, in the field. And here we are sitting 32 and 25, not even, not even clinching second place yet. And there's three fucking games left where anything can happen in three games. Um, I, I just want a win streak or something, you know, and there's three games left. I hate entering postseason frigid. I hate it. And I know, I know it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't always translate and it's not like it's going to automatically make the Yankees cold in the postseason, you know, but I, it just makes me feel better. Okay. And just thinking it's been such a disappointing regular season, you know, with a mediocre record, you know, do you really see the Yankees on a down year winning this, this, this postseason? I don't see it. Fucking shit. I mean, we got bitched around this regular season, guys. We've got we got really bitched around, especially by Tampa, who just owned us. You know, they clinched. Um, tonight's loss against Toronto gave them a playoff berth, so they clinched. I mean, fucking, we're just handing out handing out free passes to everybody. Um, the other night, man, when Eric Kratz pitched for a second time in four games. The booth found it funny, of course, because fucking, of course they do. You know, David Cohn loves it. Um, Cohn was even talking about a scenario where fucking Kratz would pitch in October. Yeah, no thanks. I'm good. I'm good. But I fucking hate it. You, you see the Yankee dugout in La La Land laughing over there. You know, oh, he's throwing knuckleballs. Oh my God. Listen, man, when you got a fucking 55-year-old throwing relief innings for you two times in the past four days at the time, you've got issues. And you're talking about pitching him in the postseason to save arms. I don't care how or why you've got fucking issues. 
Okay, that shouldn't ever. I'd be if I was on the Yankees and I had to fucking watch a fifty-five-year-old catcher, fifty-five-year-old third-string catcher who nobody picked up, fucking pitch for you twice in four days. I'd be fucking livid. Some shit's going out. Some shit is going down. Something's wrong. Something's fucking wrong. I'm. T- I'd be tired of that shit. I'd be pissed off. Not laughing. Not giggling. That's not cute to me. Maybe cute to you, but that shit doesn't fucking fly with me. I can't stand that shit. For a couple of seconds in that Boston game where he first did it, sure, it was cool. But I'm, I'm tired of it, man. I'm tired of the fucking bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, these, these bullshit motivational quotes we're getting from Aaron Judge every year about how we're locked in. We're only looking at the title. It's a, it's a failed season without a ring. Okay. It's time to walk the talk. It's time to walk the talk. Because right now, fucking four years into this process, all I see, all I see from Judge from the Yankees is, is them talking the talk, but they're never walking it. Let's go. The postseason starts on October 5th. That's about two weeks. About two weeks. And I fucking, you know, I, I, I can't say I'm very, um, I can't say I'm very optimistic here. Uh, where do we start? The lineup, the rotation, the bullpen, the, the, the fucking um, the fielding, the bench, the managers, the managing. Fucking shit. We'll start with the lineup. Uh, but we already know my take on the lineup, man. And first of all, I don't like the fucking whole Hicks and the three hole thing. Can we stop doing that? Can we stop? I know tonight, I don't think he was there. Was he? No, he was in the three hole tonight. We do it too much. I don't get the Hicks and the three hole shit. I don't get it. I don't get it. He walks a ton. But hits none. Sure, he may be on a cute little, you know, hitting binge late in a couple last couple of games. But come on, you know he's a Mendoza line hitter. Maybe a little above that. Okay, he'll sit in the two twenties, two thirty tops, and he's not going to hit you over that. He's a below average batting average guy who gets on base a decent amount because he walks and does nothing but walk. That's not a three hitter. You know, the, the baseball wasn't, that's, if you know baseball, the three spot is for the well-rounded hitter, right? That all-around hitter, a little bit of pop, a little bit of contact, you know, that, that well-balanced guy. The number nine spot is a good spot for Aaron Hicks. And I'm not just saying that to rip him. That's a good spot. It's like the second, you know, it's for, it's a spot where you're not good enough to lead off, but you're good enough to be that second leadoff guy, Right. He walks a lot. He gets on base, but he doesn't hit enough to be at the top of that order. He should be nine. I think batting Hicks, Aaron, uh, batting Aaron Hicks nine would really benefit Aaron Boone. It'd make him look really good. Um, but it just seems like sometimes we're getting fucking trolled with these lineups. We've had Guardy in the three hole before. We've had Mike Ford countless amounts of times before we sent his ass to the alternate site in the three hole before. It's like it's like these analytics are trolling us. Are you serious with this shit? Is it analytics? I don't know. But the three hole is not for guys like that. Glaber Torres, I wouldn't mind in the three hole. He's heating up. He's been better, you know, since he returned from the injury. But he's a three hole type of hitter. Gio Urshela, even better option right now this season, hitting fucking three twenty with with extra base hit pop. Put him in the three hole. Makes contact. Aaron Judge, I wouldn't hate that in the three hole. Luke Voigt wouldn't hate that in the three hole. 
not Aaron Hicks, not Brett Gardner, Mike Ford. No. Somebody who makes contact, has good bat-to-ball skills, and has a decent amount of pop while walking here and there. That should be your three guy. Um, Gary Sanchez, they were talking about him now potentially becoming a part-time player, splitting time with Higashioka due to Sanchez's negative play and Higgy's positive play of late. You know, Gary's 140-something on the season with an OPS in the low 600s, and he plays terrible defense. Higgy, you know, a better batting average, a better OPS, and, you know, I'd like to think at least mediocre defense, at least better defense than Gary. Um, and, of course, the ERA when he catches is a run lower, almost one run lower than it is when Gary is catching. Um, and more importantly, they actually mentioned, you know, they mentioned it on the broadcast, and I, it's more important that, that we're seeing the organization kind of change their tune a little bit, you know, publicly, too. You know, Aaron Boone, Cashman, they used to say it all the time to the press. He's our guy. We know he's talented. We're not going to make any changes. But you talk to them today, it's 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 a little different tone. You know, it's game by game, they say now. I, I believe that, that was the term that Aaron Boone used uh, in this in the presser earlier today. Game by game. You know, so maybe he's, you know, that that's, that's a positive to me. You know, that we're not just sticking with him no matter what. Because he's not been working. He's not been doing it this year, man. It's not cutting it. But the fucking lineup, in my biggest gripe with this lineup, it is it is Sanchez, Judge, Stanton in just one lineup. You know, Having Sanchez, Judge, Stanton, you can even throw in Voight, Frazier, all these sluggers in one lineup. Yeah, sure, sure. They're going to display a, an amazing, prestigious amount of power. Of course. They'll even, you know, walk a ton. They'll hit a lot of home runs. The OPS will be, the numbers will be there in the regular season. Of course, the numbers are going to look flashy. When you have all these sluggers, on paper, they look dominant. But man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you get to the postseason, it's a different game. You're facing elite pitching in the postseason. You're not facing the Blue Jays, the, the fucking Red Sox, the Orioles, the Phillies, the Mets. You're not facing those mediocre clubs. You're facing teams with elite pitching. You're facing the Chicago White Sox, who've got Keuchel, Giolito, Dunning, and the seventh best bullpen in the league. You're facing, in terms of ERA, you're facing the Minnesota Twins, potentially, with Jose Berrios, with Kenta Maeda, with the fifth best bullpen in the in the MLB, you're facing the Oakland Athletics. Um, their number one guy is pretty good. How do you? It was Bass, Bassett, but you know they've also got the best bullpen ERA in baseball. You're facing Tampa Bay. Obviously, they've got Glass now, Snell, Morton, and the fourth best bullpen in the league. You're facing Cleveland, even without Clevenger. They've got Carrasco. They've got Bieber. They've got Plesac's kid. They've got the six best bullpen. So you're facing fucking actual pitching in the postseason. You're not facing these, you know, third tier, fourth tier, you know, Mama Luke's who just fucking lob fastballs for you to pad your stats. No, you're facing guys that are going to strike you out. You're facing guys with good stuff, with spin rate, with actual pitching talent and wits that are going to attack you in the postseason. You're not facing no more scrubs. So you're not just going to have these barrage of, of, you know, of games where you go off on pitching, on poor pitching. No, it's the postseason. 
And we see it every time with this fucking lineup, man. We see it all the time. The home runs, the walks, they're fun. They have good numbers, right? But the strikeouts, they continue to haunt them. And it's going to happen again. Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, Voigt, Frazier. One, two, three, four, five of those guys. All five of them. 25% K-rate players. I think Voigt is 24%. But, you know, you get the point. The league average, well, it used to be 20% until everybody started striking out. Um, Somewhere between 20 and 23%, I believe, nowadays. These guys are all, you know, worse than average when it comes to making contact with the ball. They strike out in 75% of their plate appearances, and that's pretty pathetic. Pretty pathetic. Um, And that's where, you know, that's five of your nine fucking everyday guys. Five of your nine everyday, five of your nine hitters. So five out of nine. Okay. So that's what? Over 50% of your lineup. Okay. So you're going through a lineup, guys who strike out at least once or twice a game. That's not good. Not in the postseason against elite pitching. No. No. That's going to lead to runners and scoring position failures, which we've seen year and year you know, again, time and time again. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. And, and speaking of power, we need to see something from Judge here. 30 plate appearances after tonight since he's been back from injury. Zero, not only zero home runs, zero extra base hits, and just one little RBI. No power yet. Couple of singles is all we've gonna be is that's all we've got. I hope he's still not hurt. You know, not saying anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. I hope that's not the case. But I'm telling you, it's not looking pretty. He's got I, I would like to see something before October 5th. You know, can he can he flash a couple of extra base hits or maybe hit at least one home run in this final series against the Marlins? Show me something. But then again, you know, maybe they'll they'll flip that switch. You know, maybe they'll flip the switch. But 32 and 25, guys, I'm not loving their odds. It's just, you know, mediocre teams usually don't succeed in the in the, uh, in the the postseason. And the ones with mediocre records probably had a second half of the season that, you know, where they tore it up. But that's not the case with the Yankees. They didn't tear it up. You know, they had a 10-game win streak, sure. But their, their season has been very, very streaky all year. You look at the numbers. First 22 games, Yankees went 16 and 6. That's a 73% winning percentage. The next 20 games, 5 and 15. That's a 25% winning clip. The next 10, obviously they were 10 and 0. And now the last four, we've only won one of the our last five, we we went one and four. 20%. So we we've had a very hot and cold, Jekyll and Hyde type of season. Um, and it's because of that offense, that one-dimensional style of walking and hitting home runs only. It's because of that that offense. Pitching staff has done it so far, right? Sure. But it's that offense. And I thought a funny moment, a very funny moment in this series was actually tonight, game four. Um, Gary's almost grand slam, right? Where he loads the bases. Uh, We load the bases for him. And his grand slam, I think, would have tied the game. And he he hits it all the way to the warning track. Comes about a foot or two short of a a grand slam. (laughs) And, And you see the Yankee dugout, they're just deflated. But I thought that was the perfect moment to describe this team. We wait for the home run. We wait for the home run to bail us out. Right? That's why I thought it was funny. Obviously, I was pissed off. I even hit my chair. But fucking, uh, I do thought I did think it was funny. Because that's who we are. That is who the Yankees are. And that's who they've been for almost a decade now. Um, 
And I think the lineup concerns, the flaws in this lineup, need to be out there more. I'm always seeing the headlines, the NY Post, you know, Elite NY Sports, um, whatever. All these headlines are, are reading about the, the Yankee rotation concerns. But I never see the concerns about the, the, the lineup and their strikeout issues never make never make the headlines. I, I feel like that. I feel like people are talking about this rotation too much, which isn't perfect. You know, the rotation to me, that's not to say I think this rotation is great. I don't. I don't think this rotation is too great either. Um, obviously, you've got, you know, Tanaka and Cole, who are great. Cole won seven of his 10 decisions this season. A very solid, you know, first year in pinstripes. Um, and he's an elite superstar, proven in October too. So I think he'll be fine, you know, next week or two weeks from now. Um, and Tanaka too. Obviously, Tanaka has been excellent for the Yankees um, in the postseason. Um, so I think he'll be good. Speaking of, that was his final start yesterday. Tanaka's final start um, before his free agency. That was his final regular season start. I swear to God, man, if the Yankees bring back James Paxton and not Tanaka, I'm going to be fucking off the rails, pissed off. If they bring back Big Puss before they bring back Masahiro. Oh, but that's a story for a different day. We'll save that rant for another day when it actually happens. Hopefully not. Um, but Tanaka and Cole, I'm comfortable with. It's everybody else who's up in air for me. Right. It is, it is, um, it, it's the regression to the mean that I'm worrying about coming soon with J Hap. He's been so good for a bit too long now where I feel like it's it's gonna happen. And there's always that thought in the back of my mind where the last time Hap started a postseason game for the Yankees didn't go too well. Uh, hopefully we don't get to a game three so he doesn't have to pitch. I don't think the Yankees have an official game three starter anyways. But eventually down the line we're gonna have to pitch more than two guys and I just hope Hap can keep it together. He to me is a question mark. Um, but there's also, you know, Davey Garcia is a, you know, is a prospect and prospects are unpredictable. I always say that. That's my little phrase. Prospects are unpredictable. You don't know what you're getting from them. They're young. They could be talented, but they're still unpredictable no matter who you are. You don't know. You know, it's not nearly guaranteed he's going to pitch well for you, especially a 21 year old in the postseason. And then Montgomery, I, I sure as shit don't trust Montgomery. Do you? He's not terrible. He's not bad. He's a good number four, number five. But number four, number fives aren't consistent. You know, he, he had a very up and down, hot and cold regular season. He didn't really get the uh, consistency. Um, now, the analytics kind of favor him. A lot of soft contact, some unlucky hits. But regardless, he's had an unpredict unpredictable year, and I don't you know, I just want somebody like Tanaka, somebody like Cole, who I know is going to be that guy to shut it down. So uh, it's the rotation I, I still am concerned about um, right underneath the lineup. Now the bullpen, <laughs> listen, at least over the past few years, we've had a bullpen with star power. This year, I don't feel like we have that punch anymore. You know, even the pen's been unpredictable this season. Um, the ERA of the Yankee pen is, I believe it's in the 20s. In terms of their placing amongst the 30 teams, the Yankees are 20-something. It's like four-something. Um, 
Yeah, but between the injuries and, and you know some guys not coming through consistently this year, I don't know about them. I'm not a big Chad Green, Adam Onovino, Aroldis Chapman guy. None of those guys really scare me this year. Chapman's had some bad moments. Uh, Adovino just chokes every time he gets an opportunity to. And Chad Green, along with Adovino, is a one-trick pony, one pitch. You know, Chad is throwing his fastball 90% of the time. Adovino's throwing his slider 90% of the time, which, again, that's 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 not good. Opponents will take that pitch and just draw a bunch of walks on you, or they'll wait for it to land, and then they'll knock it 450 feet like they did tonight. Um, so yeah, it's, it's them two or them three who I don't really trust. Um, Britain, I like Britain. I really trust because he's a ground ball pitcher, uh, throws a hard sinker. They like to call it a, they call it a bowling ball sinker, but it's everybody else that that's, you know, the three guys I mentioned and, and add in the number of second, third tier guys we often throw out there. I'm concerned a bit. I am. I don't think it's this, uh, scary bullpen that it used to be. Now the defense, again, not a, not a good defensive team. Our fundamentals are pretty shit. Um, we saw it again this weekend, or this week, rather, with Torres and Sanchez, who are just astronomically bad at their positions this season. Um, Torres is now tied with four others uh, for the most errors in the league at shortstop with eight. He also has the worst amongst all shortstops. Um, according to Fangraphs, he has the worst defensive run saved with minus eight. Uh, Sanchez is the second most in errors at the catching position with four. And he's also second in pass balls uh, with five. Five pass balls, just one below the league leader. I mean, Voight's pretty bad at first base too. Um, and the Yankees as the team. As a team, they have 43 errors tied with Boston for second worst in the league. And uh, they're 25th in the league when it comes to Outs above average, which is a new analytical statistic. Uh, minus eight outs above average has them 25th out of 30. Their defense is not pretty. They've got some guys who can make some nice plays. Urshela, LeMayu holds it down. Um, Aaron Judge, Brett Gardner. But everybody else, you kind of cringe when you see them feel their position. So that worries me for the postseason. Sloppy defense, of course. You need defense. You don't want what happened on... Um, on Wednesday to happen again in the postseason at all. Um, the bench is not good. It's not been this next man up that we we had last year. No, Wade is hitting one. I have it right here written down. It's just you know, little production, low efficiency, nothing, nothing from the bench. Um, yeah, I have it written down. Tyler Wade, one seventy one with a five seventy six OPS. 98 plate appearances. Mike Talkman, 242, 648, 111 plate appearances. Mike Ford, 135, 496 OPS, 84 plate appearances. Tyro Estrada, who I'm very disappointed in this season, 167, 460 OPS through 52 plate appearances. And then Miggy Andahar, who's also not with us at the moment, 242, 632, and 65 plate trips. I mean, very bad, very bad. The only two who've been producing off the bench <laughs> has been the second and third tier catcher, which is funny because Gary's been so shit as the starting catcher. Um, you know, Daddy Kratz and Kyle Higgy have been doing pretty good off the bench on both ends of the field too. Uh, but that's really it, guys. I mean, we've got three more games 
of the regular season against Miami. It'll be Hap tomorrow, Garcia in game two, and then Clark Schmidt is looking like we'll round off game three. We'll round off the regular season. Uh, maybe audition for a postseason roster spot. You know, for some bullpen depth, Clark Schmidt. Uh, can we wrap it up with a win streak? Again, I, I know it may or may not translate into October, but I don't know. I like going into October with a rhythm regardless, just for comfort, you know, personally. Um, also, it's, it's just, again, it's just been such a weird, disappointing regular season for the Yankees, having so many peaks and valleys. Um, and, and the valleys have been long, very long cold streaks. And that's why we're sitting at 32 and 25. You know, the best we can do now at this point is win three in a row and have 35 wins, which I don't think is that's under a hundred. It might be under 95 across a full season. Not sure, but yeah, man, it's not been pretty for the Yankees. It's, it's been pretty uh, boring lately. It's been pretty awful um, when it comes to these divisional games against the Rays and Jays, but Let's just hope it, it changes. Let's just hope that things get better. Um, I'm going to try to pull up this page here one more time. Here, this is fucked up, man. Look at this. The Tampa Bay Rays, the Oakland A's, the Minnesota Twins, the White Sox, and then the, the Yankees are fifth. They've got the five seed. So obviously, if you don't know by now, we're doing the NBA format this year for the postseason. I don't love it, but at this point, you know, not worth complaining about. Uh, but the Yankees are fifth. They're fifth. Fifth place. Fuck. So that means, let's see, if it ends today, if the season ended today, it's Tampa versus Toronto, Cleveland and Oakland, Minnesota and Houston, yeah, and the Yankees and the White Sox. Well, <laughs> that's not, uh, again, Giolito has been striking out batters left and right. Keuchel has had an outstanding bounce back season. And again, they have a solid bullpen. So I'm, I'm, and they've got a lineup. You've got a lineup too. Don't forget. Um, yeah. So listen, we have to be on top of our game. No matter who we face, we have to have the same mentality. Um, go out there and, and play Yankee baseball the way Yankee baseball should be played. The way the Yankee champions from the past played, they made contact, they hit homers. They played defense well, and they pitched well. They were a good all-around team. I know they're called the Bronx Bombers, but if you've actually watched their games, you know, from 09, from the late 90s, they were always a team who actually played really good all-around baseball. And we've just not seen that from the Yankees um, this season. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Anything else? Let's head to the NYYMYK question of the day as soon as we get back from break. Be right back. Hey guys, really quick, I just want to remind you that if you go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com, you can find me on social media, you can find the links to my podcast and my blog. So that's all you got to do. Just go to my website, go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com, And there will be a page that displays all of my information. All right, guys. Thank you. Let's get back to the show. All right. All right. So last time out, um, Excuse me. I asked you, uh, what was it? Oh, 
what year was it when the Yankees first won the World Series? So that was the question for episode 158. And the answer to that question, what year was it when the Yankees won their first World Series? Um, that was 1923 when they won their first title. Uh, tonight's question is a bit similar, but different. Um, who did the Yankees face in their first World Series appearance? So who did the Yankees face, pay attention to the question, in their first World Series appearance? All right. So uh, message me the answer or comment on Facebook or Instagram. Not on Twitter much nowadays, so just message me or comment on Facebook or Instagram. Um, again, last one last time for episode 159, our NYYNYK question of the day. Who did the Yankees face in their first World Series appearance? All right. So let me know the answer. Guys, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Always do. Um, you know, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hate I hate it. I hate talking about the Yankees when they're losing. You know, it sucks. But what are you going to do? Uh, you just hope that they start winning soon and, and they wrap up the regular season on a high note. And they go into October and they, hey, and maybe they shock me. Maybe they win the World Series this season. Maybe they do it all. Um but what the fuck? You know, let, let, let's 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 get our shit together. Um, that's it. That's all we've got. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This is your host, Rob Carbone. Episode 159 of the podcast tonight. Episode 159 of BD4. Where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, thank you so much. And I'll see you for episode 160 after the season ends. So once the regular season ends in three days, we will do our podcast where we discuss the regular season and we discuss the postseason. It'll be like a little review slash, you know, future outlook talking about the postseason. It's going to be fun. But um, thank you for tuning in to episode 159. That's all I've got for this one, guys. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.